Proverbs chapter 20. And uh, we're all creatures of habit, um, and uh, some more so than others. Um, I would plead guilty to that. But uh, typically what I like to do, if you haven't figured it out yet, is uh, I like to do a, uh, a book study or preaching through a book on Sunday morning. And then Sunday night, I'll, I'll typically either preach through a book or we'll do a, a character uh, series. Uh, and then on Wednesday night, I like to do things that are topical, that deals with issues and just things that uh, might be a help to us that uh, sometimes we question and ask, what's the Bible position on, on that thing? And so this series that I started a while back, took a little break from as we did some of the cults and now re- return to, is that very thing. Uh, it's a topical series. And uh, as you, I know you already read the sheet, so you know where we're going tonight. But uh, in Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 1, and I hope these things are a help to you. Notice the Bible says, Proverbs 20 verse 1, Wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging. And whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. All right, let's read this together. Read it together when I say begin. All right, ready? Begin. Wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging, and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. All right, let's pray together. Father, thank you for your goodness. And I pray tonight as I preach the message that you've led me to preach, that you'd help me, fill me afresh and anew with thy spirit. I pray that your word would go forth with understanding and clarity tonight. And I realize, we all realize that that is a work of the Holy Spirit of God. And so we ask, Lord, that you'd work as only you can. I will yield myself as best as I know how. And I ask you to do the rest. Work in the hearts of your people. I do ask if someone's here tonight that is not certain of their salvation, whether it be up here in the auditorium or down in King's Kids, uh, that tonight they'd get saved and trust Christ as Savior. And then for those of us that know you, I pray that this message would help us uh, uh, perhaps to solidify some things uh, that we uh, need to get solid in our lives, in our Christian lives. And so please bless it and use it for your glory. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now tonight we're continuing with the series that I started again a good, good while ago. It's probably the longest series I've ever done. Uh, and it is a series that I entitled Wisdom from Above taken from the book of Proverbs. The idea is taken from James chapter 3, where it talks about the wisdom from above, God's wisdom, and then this earthly wisdom, or wisdom from beneath, or from the earth, or worldly wisdom. And there's those two choices that you and I have to make. And so essentially, the idea of this series is that there are two, basically two ways that a believer... Uh, And those of us that know the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior, we have a choice of how we are going to live our life. It's essentially one of two ways. And again, the first way is we can choose to follow the commandments, the instructions, and the principles of God's Word. Now, that is wisdom from above. Doesn't mean we have to, you know, understand it 100%. God says it. Therefore, we do it. We don't have to answer, well, why? Why? It doesn't matter. Amen. He says it, right? It's always good to know why. But I'm just saying that uh, we follow his word, his commandments. Uh, and so if God's word says it, that settles it. Amen. Now, can I say this? That that makes life simple. It really does. Because everything we need to know is found in God's word. And we'll talk about that here in a little bit. 
And uh, living this simple way, really, God's word decides. I don't have to think about it. I don't have to wonder and scratch my head. What should I do? Here it is in the Bible. Therefore, I'm going to live by it. it really, and when we do that, live by that simplicity, it brings the peace and the joy that God promised in his word to his children. Amen. That's how we get it. Amen. Philippians 4 9 says this, Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do, right? There it is. And the God of peace shall be with you. I want the God of peace with me. Amen. Well, I'll just pray that he's with me. No, what you've heard, what you know, if you do it, the God of peace will be with you. James 3.17, I mentioned the verse a moment ago. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable. That's what brings peace to our hearts when we are abiding in Christ and following God's word. And so, of course, that's the one way we can choose to live our lives. The second way is we can follow the ways and the ideas and the philosophies that are out there in this world. And that is what the Bible refers to as the wisdom, and I put that in quotes, the wisdom of this world. In other words, it is possible for a person to be saved, but to adopt the thinking and the ways and the fashions and the trends of the unregenerate world around us. It is absolutely possible. You see, but the problem with the world's philosophies and the trends and all those things I just mentioned is that they're ever-changing. I mean, it's like a dog chasing his tail. I think that's the second time I use that example. But that's what, it, that's what it's like. And they're rooted in the ideas of fallible men. Uh, they stand in direct opposition all the time to the word of God. And they produce bad fruit. That's what they produce. But you know, there's many, there are many Christians that choose to follow the world's philosophies. Now, why is that? Why, why do many Christians do that? Well, usually it's because they want to fit in. They don't want to look unusual than the world. Uh, they want to feel accepted by others. Uh, they don't want to stand out as being, you know, too different than everybody else. And, and by the way, that never ends well if you choose that path. Amen. Never does. Uh, and there are many warnings in the Bible about adopting that philosophy. James 4, 4, ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Uh, Romans 8, 7, because the carnal mind is uh, enmity against God. There it is again. If we live that way, we are going in direct opposition to our God. That's what God is saying. First John 2, 15, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, uh, the love of the Father is not in him. So there it is. There are the two choices that we have. I think we could argue, perhaps, that... Uh, there's a third way that a Christian can uh, choose to live his or her life, and that is this, by trying to combine the two. Now, that could be a choice. In other words, uh, following the commandments of God in certain situations. You know, when it's convenient and when we're around others that are doing the same that, we, that we're doing. Uh, 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 but then the, blending in in other situations when we're around the world, trying to blend in there. Uh, and what happens is people will set up two worlds. There's their, there's their church world uh, and then there's their work world. There's their church world and then there's their public world. Uh, what a terrible way to live. Amen. 
By the way, God has some very strong words to say about that type of person. You know the verse, Revelation 3.15, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot, so then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. God says that's the very worst place to be is trying to straddle the fence, uh, find that middle road. Uh, he said, I'd rather you be cold than be there. Certainly, I'd rather you be hot, uh, but even cold is better than that middle road. So make up your mind and make it the right way, and let's all choose the wisdom from above. And so last week, again, we were looking in this book of Proverbs because where do we get the wisdom from above? From God, from the Bible, from his word, and especially uh, from the book of Proverbs. It is the book of wisdom. And last week we looked at Proverbs 19 and verse 13, and we saw this verse, a foolish son is the calamity of his father, and the contentions of a wife are a continual dropping, and uh, of course uh, we dealt with trouble in the home. Uh, when you have a wayward son, a foolish son, or a contentious uh, spouse, and we dealt with that. Well, I went through and I started reading down through here, thinking and praying about what would be the next thing. Uh, that we'd address here. And I noticed that the, the next few verses were subjects we've already dealt with in Proverbs. So I'm not going to re-preach them. For example, uh, look at verse 15. Uh, it deals with the subject of slothfulness. I preached about that in this series. Uh, verse 16 deals with the subject of obedience and why obedience is so important. I preached on that as well. Verse 17 it deals with giving to the poor. I had a whole sermon on that as well. Verse 18 has to do with child discipline. We could always revisit these things. I get it. But I've preached a, a few on those here in this series. Verse 19 uh, deals with anger. 22 is kindness and so forth. So uh, these subjects have been dealt with. Then I arrive to chapter 20. I said, well, there's a subject we haven't hit in a while. Amen. And that is this, that wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging, and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. So tonight we're going to deal with the subject of alcohol, of wine, of uh, strong drink. And uh, I kind of uh, let the cat out of the bag at the beginning with the title. Uh, but notice uh, we see the wisdom of abstinence. That's God's wisdom. Amen. Now understand, whenever you study a topic, and I know sometimes this can be a controversial topic. I don't know why. To me, it's very simple in the Bible. But whenever you study a topic in the Bible, it is vital that you do two things. You're doing a topical study on a subject. One is this. You should look at and study all of the verses in the Bible that pertain to that particular topic or that particular subject. In other words, take a concordance out. We have computers now. You can look it up real easy, and you can find all the verses on a subject. Take a word like marriage or a word like friendship or something like that, friend and so forth. Read them carefully in their context, and from there you can determine God's position on a topic. And I say that because often people will take one verse and say, and develop a doctrine from only one verse, when that's only what part of God, what God has to say about the subject. Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, they will take for the subject we're dealing with tonight. But there's more to the subject than just that. A lot more, we'll see that tonight. Then number two, you should also lay aside any preconceived ideas on the subject as you're doing a topical study, 
and let the Bible dictate your conclusions. Uh, thus govern your behavior. In other words, don't say, well, I had a pastor years ago that said this. Well, whatever he said, if it doesn't match up with the Bible, Amen. you throw it out. Same Amen. with me. Amen. If I say something that doesn't match up with the Bible, throw it out. Amen. Okay, because the Bible is our authority. Well, I had a grandma or a grandpa or a dad or a mom that taught me this. Throw out, throw out all those preconceived ideas and let the Bible be your guide. Let the Bible dictate your conclusions. Now, while we don't have enough time tonight, obviously, in this setting, to look at all the verses on the subject we're dealing with tonight, uh, we do have time to look at enough verses uh, to clearly give us God's position on this subject. What is God's position? Again, a little ahead of myself. Well, it's right here at the top. God's position is abstinence. Let's see if that's true. I, number one, would you consider this? The confusion with the word wine. So notice the verse begins with the word wine is a mocker. Strong drink is raging. So let's just park there for a moment on that first word, wine. I'm not talking about what your kids do when they get a demerit, amen? They whine. No, we're not talking about that. That has an H in it, all right? This is the, uh, the drink, okay? Uh, we find the word wine in 212 verses in the Bible. Interesting, 183 of them are in the Old Testament, only 29 in the New Testament. Ten of them are found in the book of Proverbs. Now, the first mention of wine in the Bible, if you understand hermeneutics and the first mention principle, when a subject is mentioned first, typically it lays the foundation of what the rest of the Bible says about that subject. It's called the first mention principle. God typically expands off of that first mention, but it lays that foundation. And the first time we find the word wine in the Bible, it's not presented in a positive light. Matter of fact, it's in the story of Noah, if you remember, after the flood. Uh, look back with me here to Genesis chapter 9. Let's just take a peek at it. We're not going to turn at all these tonight, but I want you to see this one. Genesis chapter 9, first mention of the word wine. So again, the, uh, the, uh, the flood is done. The aftermath has taken place. Uh, they've gotten off the ark and all of that has taken place. Noah built an, ark or, uh, an altar at the end of chapter 8. And then Noah's approaching uh, the time after the flood. And we read in verse 20, And Noah began to be an husbandman, and he planted a vineyard. And he drank of the wine and was drunken. First mention there. And he was uncovered within his tent. So notice he's drinking wine. Uh, he is drunk, and he's uncovered in his tent. And Ham, the father of, the, of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brethren without. And Shem and Japheth took a, took a garment and laid it upon both their shoulders and went backward and covered the nakedness of their father. And their faces were backward, and they saw not their father's nakedness. And Noah awoke from his wine and knew what his younger son had done to him. Now, I'm not going to get into the details of all of that, but the point is this, that Noah is drinking wine, and he gets drunk, and some nasty things happen afterwards. The things that God does not approve, okay? That's the first time it's mentioned in the Bible. What's well, interesting, the last time it's mentioned in the Bible is in the book of Revelation, uh, and that is Revelation 18 
and verse uh, 13. Just to give you an idea, uh, this one's a little different. We read in uh, verse 13, when this, this year is talking about uh, the items of, that's in Mystery Babylon. Okay, of course, Babylon is going to fall here. And again, this isn't the scope of this message. I'm not going to get into the details. But notice verse 13, and cinnamon and odors and ointments. This is what's in Babylon and frankincense and wine and oil and fine flour and wheat and beasts and sheep and horses and chariots and slaves and souls of men. So it's almost just like a, a list. A matter of fact, he's talking about about wine here. And so that's the first mention and the last mention. But the question is, okay, what does the Bible teach about, uh, about alcoholic wine? Uh, what does it teach about it? What, and strong drink. You're going to find basically, and I wasn't going to go here, but I'm, I'm going to take a quick second to do this. You're going to find there's basically three positions that people are going to take on the position of wine, alcoholic drink. And I'll get to the, the difference in the wines here in a minute. One would say what I'm saying tonight, abstinence. You're not supposed to drink it, not supposed to touch it, look at it, any of that. We'll get that at the end. Uh, and I would say that's the majority of people that I know that are true, independent, fundamental Baptists. But then there's other groups that would say this, well, you know, we're under grace. And so we're under grace, we're not under the law, and you just do whatever you want to do. Because, you know, it's under the blood. You're saved, and so if you want to drink, go ahead and do it, and that's fine. Some people would actually condone that. People that call themselves Christians. Just go ahead and drink. There's a third position, and that is this. Some would say, well, you can, be, uh, uh, you can drink, you just can't get drunk. Uh, it's okay to, you know, take a sip and that sort of thing. But uh, getting drunk is, is not what we're supposed to uh, do as believers. So those are the three positions you're going to basically uh, find. Now, 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 listen to this guy. I, I came across an article. This was a pastor. I think so. It, it was, the, the website was called Ministry Answers, and he spoke as if he was spoke, speaking from authority. It was a June 2023 article, and uh, here's what he said. He said, quote, the Bible has a mixed stance on alcohol. Some passages advocate for wine and other spirits as a part of a healthy lifestyle while others condemn drinking as sin. The Bible does have a perspective that is different from modern perspectives. For example, the Bible sees alcohol as a means of honoring God. There are a number of different perspectives on this issue, and it is up to each individual to decide what they believe. What in the world? What is he talking about? What do you mean? The Bible doesn't have a mixed stance on anything. It has a mixed stance on absolutely nothing. Right. And uh, to have this idea that drinking alcohol honors God? Right. What planet did he come from? What Bible is he reading? Certainly not the King James Bible. Amen. Understand, as a Baptist, I do believe, we believe, in individual soul liberty. Amen. In other words, that every individual is personally accountable to God. Right. But to say that the Bible is not clear on this matter is ludicrous. Amen. There are no areas in this life that God does not give us either a direct command about or a principle to go by or a biblical example so that we know his mind on the matter. 
right, that the man of God, 2 Timothy 3.17, may be perfect, throughly furnished unto all good works. That's a reference to verse 16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. So the Bible is all we need to know every position God has on everything in this life. So why the confusion? One of the reasons that there's some confusion on this subject is because the word wine in the Bible is actually a generic term. I'll say that again. One of the reasons there's confusion is because the word wine in the Bible is a generic term. Let me explain. In other words, in a generic sense, the word wine in the Bible is simply a beverage made from grapes. That's what it is. Now, let me see if I can't give you perhaps, and maybe this will fall apart, but I don't think so, a, a good parallel word that might help us understand that a little better. Uh, maybe the word like soda, right. right? And we can talk about that. that that's kind of how we use it in the Northeast. I know pop in other places and so forth. But if you went to a restaurant and you said, I want a soda, well, they would say, well, which one? Right. What kind? A soda is just, every soda is a soda. So it's a generic word. Uh, they say Coke or Pepsi and so forth. Again, because that is, again, a generic word and refers to a carbonated beverage, right? And it's the same with the word wine in the Bible. You see, the word wine in the Bible can refer to two different things. Number one, it's this, and, and we'll get to this here in a little bit. I'll give you the, the blank in a moment of A. But it can sometimes refer to fresh grape juice. In other words, the, the fruit of the vine. In other words, grape juice that was made from grapes. The word wine, is sometimes in the Bible, simply refers to grape juice. That's what we would call it today. But then other times in the Bible, the word wine refers to an alcoholic beverage that is made with grapes. Both of them made with grapes. But one is grape juice, and the other is an alcoholic beverage that man has to do things to, to produce, by the way. It doesn't just happen naturally. Okay? And so let's talk about that here. So letter A, write this down. Let's talk about verses where wine is referring to fresh grape juice. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, run through these rather quickly. Uh, Deuteronomy eleven fourteen. That I will give you the rain of your land in his due season, the first rain and the latter rain, that thou mayest gather in thy corn and thy wine and thine oil. So that's talking about God's blessings upon the nation of Israel and that he would provide for them good things. I'll give you first rain. I'll give you the latter rain. You'll, get, you'll have corn and wine and oil, all of those blessings. What's he talking about there? The, the fruit of the vine, the grape juice that they drank. Second Chronicles 31, 5. As soon as the commandment came abroad, the children of Israel uh, in abundance, uh, brought in abundance the first fruits of corn, wine, and oil, and honey, and of all the increase of the field and the tithe of all things brought they in abundantly. So again, it's expressing a part of the blessings of God was corn and that grape juice that they would make. Uh, Nehemiah 13 and verse 15. 
In those days saw I in Judah some treading wine presses on the Sabbath and bringing in sheaves and lading asses as also wine, grapes, figs, and all manner of burdens that they brought in Jerusalem on the Sabbath day. And I testified against them in the day wherein they sold victuals. So he's talking about the fact that in Nehemiah's day, of course, they were, uh, they were working on the Sabbath day. And one of the things they were doing is they were making grape juice. Uh, Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 10 says this, So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. And that phrase new wine means basically fresh grape juice. One more, 1 Timothy 5.23, Drink no longer water, but use a little wine for thy stomach's sake and thine often infirmities. That whole big thing I was going to bring to the pulpit, but it, was, it would take too much time, about the benefits of grapes and grape juice and what that does for the body and the vitamin C and all the things that it does. I, I don't want to get too deep into that because I didn't bring it all up here. But again, these are all that I just mentioned are speaking of wine in a positive way, a good way, and so they are referring to again fresh grape juice but then we have letter b verses where wine is referring to alcoholic beverages well look at our verse tonight wine is a mocker well that seems almost contradictory from what we just read a moment ago wait a minute god said he's blessing them with wine now he's saying it's a mocker uh, what's the deal here because he's not talking about the same thing Wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging, and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. Leviticus 10.9, do not drink wine nor strong drink. Imagine, he says, I'm blessing you with all this, and now don't drink it. Well, that doesn't make sense, because he's not talking about the same thing. Uh, don't drink wine or strong drink, thou nor thy sons with thee, when ye go into the tabernacle of the congregation. Talk about the priests now. Lest ye die, it shall be a statute forever throughout your generation. So the question is, right, it bears to be asked, how do we know? How do we know when we read the word wine in the Bible, whether it's speaking of grape juice or it is speaking of the alcoholic beverage? Here it is. Write this down. The key is the context. Note the context. The context will always show when wine refers to alcoholic beverage. Now, understand something. And I hope you know what I mean when I say this. I'm not trying to blaspheme God. But our God is not schizophrenic. Right. He's not bipolar. Amen. Okay? He doesn't condone something in one part of the Bible and then condemn the exact same thing in another part of the Bible. Right. He doesn't do that. Our God does not change. Amen. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And his consistent position is this. He does not condemn the drinking of grape juice. As a matter of fact, he commands it in the Lord's Supper, the fruit of the vine. But he does condemn the consuming of alcohol. Right. I'm going to say that again. Amen. He doesn't condemn the consuming of wine as in grape juice, but he does condemn the consuming of alcoholic wine. Right. So here's what it is. Whenever you see that the word wine is portrayed in a negative sense, it's referring to the alcoholic beverage. Whenever you see the word wine portrayed in a positive sense, it's referring to the fresh uh, grape juice. Uh, and when you make that distinction, we will easily understand God's position on it. It is simple. 
Really simple. The Bible has a clear stance on alcoholic wine and strong drink. These substances are not to be consumed at all. Okay, we'll see more of that about that here in a little bit since uh, this seems like it's going over like a lead balloon. All right, number one, the confusion with the word wine. Number two, let's talk about the destruction of alcohol. So I hope it's cleared up at least a little bit, uh, the idea of the word wine, why it's used in two different ways. But, uh, you know, alcohol is destructive. I, I, I was hoping I'd get a few of them right there. Amen. Even the world, if they're honest about it, if they're honest about it, understand the harmfulness of alcohol. Well, I was reading some of these medical things and about what the world, even the world is, is saying it's terrible. Listen to this. Of February 2024, as of February 2024, according to the American Addictions Center, uh, alcohol is the second most widely used substance in the United States behind tobacco. Number two. I know it seems like this alcohol kind of flies under the radar. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's almost, well, we just accept it now. And it's, that's what everybody does, you know. And that's, but it's still as harmful as it's ever been. Uh, approximately 86% of Americans ages 18 and older have used alcohol sometime. 86%. That's a lot. The article said this. Listen to what it said about alcohol. Uh, I'm sorry, the American Addiction Center. Uh, any, any amount of alcohol can affect your body's health and wellness. Any amount. And the risk starts from the moment you take a sip. Well, that's a Baptist preacher writing that. No, it's not. That's the world. An estimated 95,000 people die from alcohol-related uh, causes annually, with more than half of those death, deaths due to the health effects like heart and liver disease from drinking too much over time. A 2018 study, same article published in The Lancet, suggests that the only true safe level uh, of drinking alcohol is zero. Amen. That's the world. Right. Yet there's some Christians that, that sit back and say, well, I, don't, I, 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 I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that. Even the world's saying it. Right. Even the world sees it. When you ingest a small amount of alcohol... Your body reacts in, in several different ways. For example, the brain. Right. Alcohol slows down the chemical and pathways your brain uses to control your body. It alters your mood. It slows down your reflexes. It affects your balance. It contributes to learning, memory, and sleep problems. All what the world is saying. The heart. Alcohol increases your heart rate and expands your blood vessels. The digestive system, and I'm just briefly touching on these. Alcohol increases digestive juices. It irritates the small intestine and colon. It affects the normal speed that food moves through your system, which may result in abdominal pain, bloating, and other things I don't want to mention. I, uh, your kidney. Alcohol dehydrates the body which affects the kidneys and the body's ability to regulate fluid and electrolytes. It disrupts hormones that affect kidney function. Your liver. 
Most of our alcohol metabolizes in the liver, which filters the body. We get that. As a person continues to drink, the liver becomes stressed and can become permanently damaged. This is the world. I was reading this alcohol rehab guide, and it said this, quote, Alcohol plays a large role in criminal activities and violence. So it's not just the health of the person, it's what it does in the person as well, what it causes them to do. He says, excessive drinking has the ability to lower inhibitions, impair a person's judgment, and increase the risk of aggressive behaviors. Because of this, alcohol-related violence and crime rates are on the rise throughout the country. That's a current article, by the way. According to Alcohol Rehab, August 2019, 86% of all homicides are alcohol-related. 86%. 60% of all sexual abuse and rape cases are alcohol-related. Now listen, I, don't need to, I, don't, I really don't need that. I don't need the world right. to prove something that God said a long time ago. That God has clearly contempt. I don't, I don't need, I'm just showing you what they're even saying. Uh, but I don't need them because I have the Bible. Amen. And so what does the Bible teach about it? Well, go over to Proverbs chapter 23, just a page over. God tells us this, to put it uh, just really succinctly, alcohol destroys. That's what it does. Uh, in one of the commentaries on Proverbs, uh, 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 the commentator wrote, Few things in the history of humanity have been more destructive to life, happiness, and family than alcohol. Well, what does it teach? What does the Bible teach? And again, this is just a snippet of what the Bible teaches about it. But look at Proverbs 23 and verse 29. Who hath woe? Who hath sorrow? Who hath contentions? Who hath babbling? Amen. Who hath wounds without cause? Who hath redness of eyes? Amen. Here it is. They that tarry long at the wine. They that go to seek mixed wine. Here's the advice. Look not thou upon the wine when it is red, when it giveth its color in the cup, when it moveth itself aright. At the last it biteth like a serpent and stingeth like an adder. Amen. Thine eyes shall behold strange women, and thine heart shall utter perverse things. Yea, thou shalt be as he that lieth down in the midst of the sea, or as he that lieth upon the top of a mast. They have stricken me, shalt thou say, and I was not sick. They have beaten me, and I felt it not. When shall I awake? I will seek it yet again. Well, that's pretty stupid. But anyway, we'll get to that later. So what, what, what are some of the d destructive things in alcohol, just from this passage, right? Here it is, letter A, write it down. It, it, alcohol causes problems. Right. Notice what he says is, is, is that alcohol is causing. He's saying it causes woe. It causes sorrow. Right. It causes contentions. It causes babblings. Right. It causes wounds without cause. Amen. Now, I read it before, and I'll just say it again in my own words. Alcohol, what it does is it lowers your inhibitions. In other words, that thing inside you that says, no, I'm not going to do that. Guess what it does? It, it, it takes that away. It brings that down. It lowers that inhibition. It clouds your reasoning, and it heightens your emotions. You will do things when you drink alcohol that will ruin your life. 
that you will regret that you wish you never did and you wish never happened and perhaps even some things that you're never able to undo. I used to work with, I used to work with a guy in Lang City. We, there were several of us that were friends. And my wife probably remember this one. Uh, I won't tell you his last name because of the story. But his, he lived in Philadelphia. His family was in Philadelphia. Uh, he worked in Lang City, but he ended up moving kind of in between. But at any rate... Um, he, uh, he started to get into drinking a pretty good amount. And one night he was drinking, and he decided to go driving when he was drinking. You, a story you probably heard a thousand times over. But uh, he was actually in Philadelphia driving around drunk, and he decided to, he was going, taking an exit ramp off, ramp off of 95, and boy, he was just swerving and swerving and swerving and so forth. Well, little did he know was at the end of that exit ramp was a broken down car. Uh, th- there was a lady there that had a, either a flat tire, I don't know the exact story, but somehow she was broken down. She had gotten out of her car. She was a young lady, and she was pregnant. And he just swerved, and he just plowed into her and killed her and the baby. That changed that man's life forever, his earthly life. Gone. Gone. He did jail time, manslaughter, the whole bit. It, it was absolutely terrible. And imagine he can never change that. Right. He can't rewind it. He can't go back. If he could, I'm sure he'd say, I would have never taken that first sip right. of alcohol. Amen. Because this is what can happen. Right. It destroys. It causes problems. Notice letter B. It also causes promiscuity. Right. Look at verse 33. Thine eyes shall behold strange women. You see, drinking alcohol, again, it lowers your inhibitions, right? And it will cause you to desire strange women. Uh, Many times, uh, the the things that a spouse would never do with another person that's not her husband or his husband, whatever, vice versa, is easily done, his wife, is easily done when alcohol's involved. When alcohol gets interjected, all of a sudden, All the guards go down. And again, you're going to behold strange women. Back to an article from The World. uh, Caseworker for sober recovery staff. No indications that this group is a Christian group or an organization. Maybe, I don't know, didn't indicate in the article. But listen what this caseworker wrote in an article. Adultery and alcoholism go together like bread and butter. When an alcoholic drinks, their mind becomes different in how it feels and thinks. The mind blurs out personal ethics and values and only cares about feeding its pleasures and desires. Alcohol makes people selfish. After a heavy night of drinking, the alcoholic becomes sober and has to deal with the consequences of their addiction. It's hard to face yourself or your partner after a night of sexual promiscuity. But that's what alcohol does. It causes promiscuity. Again, I read the verse. Thine eyes shall behold strange women. Then let her see, write this down according to this verse. It also causes perverseness. Look at verse 33. And thine heart, listen, this is stuff we all know, right? I mean, we all know this. And thine heart shall utter perverse things. What is perverseness? It's a foul mouth. That's what happens when many people drink. 
They get foul-mouthed. Uh, uh, they'll start saying things that they wouldn't normally say. Uh, they start becoming loud and mean and rude and ugly with people. They utter out curse words and vulgarities. Why do they do that? Because that's what alcohol does. It is destructive. And then there's a fourth thing. Causes problems, causes promiscuity, causes perverseness. But then also, it's, it's kind of interesting, it creates a passion for more. Right. Um, I, you know, that kind of makes me go, huh? At the end of that verse, verse 35? Right. After all he said it does, and then he says, you're going to say, they have stricken me, shalt thou say, and I was not sick. They have beaten me, and I felt it not. When shall I awake? I, I will seek it yet again. Wait a minute. So, so it brings you woe, and it brings you sorrow, right. and it causes contentions, and it causes you to babble. It causes you to uh, uh, feel sick. I didn't even touch on that. Redness of the eyes. Uh, and, and then also look upon strange women and do things you'd never do. And when it's all over, you want more. You want to do it again. Why is that? Alcohol is an addictive substance. Right. It is. And, uh, and after all the mess that alcohol causes, there's a tendency to want to drink it again. Do you know how to guarantee you'll never become an alcoholic? Yeah. Just don't even take a sip. It's guaranteed. You'll never become one. Uh, uh, do drunkards ever set out to be drunkards? They don't. You know, nobody wakes up and says, you know what, I'm going to be a drunkard. I want to get addicted to this stuff so it controls my life and ruins my life. No, that's the deception we're going to talk about here in a little bit. But listen to this same article from Sober, Sober Recovery. Uh, he writes this, he, uh, the caseworker. After a drinking binge, anxiety and guilt set in. And the alcoholic needs to have another drink. It's the emotional part of the addiction and, psycholo and psychologically, that is why they, they drink again. Alcohol can be a deadly and dangerous substance. It has ruined many relationships, families, marriages, communities, and society in general. The alcoholic, when not drinking, promises their partner that they will never repeat their bad behavior again. They may even feel remorse for their destructive behavior, but they do not keep their promise they start drinking again and again, and the cycle repeats. Oh, he said more about that. Once the alcoholic starts drinking, there's nothing a spouse can do or say to make them stop. Sure, you can pour their bottle of booze down the sink, but what for? They'll just buy more. They'll find a way to get it. My point is this. Alcohol is destructive. Amen. So we see, number one, the confusion with the word wine. Number two, the destruction of alcohol. It causes problems. It causes promiscuity, perverseness, and creates a passion for more. Then number three, the deception of alcohol. So why, why does the Bible say here, we're talking about alcohol, wine, strong drink there. And notice it says in our verse, wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging, and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. Why is it... Why is alcohol a deceiver? How does it deceive us? <laughs> well, look out there. Watch a commercial. 
watch a Bud Light commercial or whatever, Miller Light commercial, what do they make it the perception of alcohol to be? Something fun and for young people, and if you play sports and that sort of thing, certainly you got to drink. You see, alcohol is a great deceiver because the devil uses it to lure you in and me in with the false promise of giving you things like a short high or a good feeling or, you know, just a little buzz or a giddy feeling. You know, it'll help you loosen up for a while, you know, at the end of a long day, sit down and have a brewski uh, or, or to forget your problems or be that funny person you want to be around people. That's all a lie. Amen. That's all a lie. Right. It deceives you by saying you can have a little fun. You can have a little pleasure through alcohol. You can be happy with alcohol and there'll be no consequences. Wrong. Amen. That's a lie of the devil. Right. The world says... We don't want you to get drunk, commit crimes. But you know, a little bit of drinking here and there, nothing wrong with that. Hey, as long as you can control it, as long as you know when to quit, you'll be fine. Well, that's interesting because I think in uh, Proverbs 23 and verse 32 says, At the last it biteth like a serpent Amen. and stingeth like an adder. Right. Don't be deceived into thinking that you can drink socially right. or have a glass of wine or a brew once in a while or a beer once in a while and everything's going to be all right. You're deceiving yourself. You're playing with a snake. Right. Listen, I worked in the world for years, and I, I understand that what people do after work. I know. I know what they do. They go to the bar. Many of them do. I know what happens when you have those office parties. I know what happens. They, they break out the, the wine, or they break out the champagne. I know what it's like when people want to celebrate at a wedding and, and say, let's all have a toast with champagne. It won't hurt you. The temptation's there. Right. What's the big deal? You don't want to be one of those stiff old Christians, do you? Just take a sip. You know, won't hurt anybody. You won't get drunk, you know. Um, I, might, I might step on some toes here, but should I do it? Right? Amen. Okay. I am not a fan of the fake champagne stuff at weddings. Amen. I am not a fan of that. Because uh, why don't you just get some fake cigarettes, too, and just start blowing them out? You know, the ones that are gum and you blow out the smoke. Why don't you do that, too? Why not? It's the same thing. What are we saying? What are we saying when we do that? We should say, I, I don't want any part of this stuff. Uh, I understand you do what you want to do, but the Bible's very clear on this matter. And what, the way you're thinking is the thinking of a fool. There, I got off my chest. Number four, we're done. So what do we do? Brings us to the last thing, the instruction to the Christian. So what are we supposed to do as believers? You know, I was shocked. Pew Research said this, 
that 51% of people that attend religious services at least once a month report to have drinking, drank, drank alcohol in the past 30 days. 51%. Now, I know that's not, I understand that's broad Christendom, I get that. But people that go to church at least once a month, which means they say they believe in God, are, have had a drink in the last 30 days. That compares with roughly 6 to 10, 62% who attend church services, worship services, less than that, 62% have drunk in the last month. Um, 13% of those monthly attenders, they said that they engaged in re recent binge drinking. No, they went out and got drunk. They just drank it down until they got drunk. Imagine that. So what, what should we do as believers? What is that position? Real quick and we're done. Letter A, number one, is this. Or letter A. Don't touch it. Don't drink it. Amen. Okay, Proverbs 31.4. Do not drink alcohol. It is not for kings, O Lemuel. It is not for kings to drink wine, nor for princes a strong drink. Uh, look, I, I am a, a child of God, and if you're saved, you're a child of God as well. Amen. And if we want to represent him well in this world, Amen. then we are not to drink it at all. Right. Amen. Abstinence. Letter B. That was painless. Don't even look at it. Right. That's what it says. Amen. I don't even want to look at it. Uh, Proverbs 23 and 31. Look not thou upon the wine when it is red, when it giveth his color in the cup, when it moveth itself aright. Uh, don't look at it. Say, oh, look at that. And, and, and uh, like Achan did, right? What did he do? He, right. he saw it, then he coveted it. Uh, and those commercials that you're seeing on television are all lies. So don't even look at it. And here's one that's going to go real, over real well, too. Letter C is, don't serve it to others. Right. Amen. Habakkuk 2.15 says, Woe unto him which giveth his neighbor to drink. Amen. Now, many of you know that we, we stopped doing this. We're just doing it, the, the whole door dash thing. We did that uh, for a little bit. And um, we wouldn't take an order if it had alcohol. We wouldn't do it. Amen. We're not, we're, not, we're not taking it. I'm not doing that. We're not. Okay, why? Because God, uh, well, I'm just giving it to someone. Well, preacher, you know, we're having uh, lost people over our house, so I won't drink it, but, you know, just a few, maybe a little wine coolers, nothing big stuff, you know, just a, a, a mild stuff. Just, just, just to, you know, open up the door for the gospel. <laughs> please. Please, all right? Have a testimony, Amen. all right? That means have a backbone. Right. Amen. I'm just saying. Look, my wife and I, you know, we're first-generation Christians. We face Praise this every holiday, every holiday. When they start breaking it out, we just say, wow, look at that. Wow, I didn't realize it was that late. All right. Well, God bless you. It's great seeing you all. See you later. And we just go there to try to keep the door open and show them we love them. Amen. I think that's an important thing to do. Yeah. When they start going like this and doing all that, we're, at it, we're done. When they start laughing and getting laughed, we could tell the volume starts going up. We're like, okay, it is time to get out of this place, you know, like that. But I'm not, if someone says, go get me a beer, I'm not getting you a beer. I am not getting you a beer. I'm not getting you a wine cooler. I'm not doing that. Right. I'm not doing that. If you want to do it, go ahead. But I'm not. Amen. Because God's position is abstinence. Amen. 